Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have with me Greg Heim, who's the Chief Economist for Terra Holdings. Hi, Greg. How are you today? I'm doing okay, notwithstanding allergies, but uh, mostly okay. How are you doing, John? It's a beautiful day out today. It is a gorgeous day. You know, it's a great day to be in the neighborhood, as they say, like Mr. Rogers used to say. Yes, a beautiful like, day. Exactly. So let's talk about the uh, macroeconomic picture. The big question is, do you think Powell is going to pause on the Federal Reserve rate hike? Yes, I, I think so. You know, they've made it clear that their terminal rate was sitting just above 5%. That's where we are now. Um, I think they know it would upset markets dramatically if they hiked again. Uh, inflation, while still way above that 2% target, the Fed looks at, it has come down significantly. We were seeing in June... Um, of last year, we were seeing inflation at rising at a 9% annual rate. Now it's come down a little bit below 5%. So we knew it was going to take time. And I think if they look at the retail sales data, which shows that consumers are spending less money, and that is 70% of GDP, you know, the, the number we look at to see if the economy is contracting or, or growing. I think they realize now with the concerns about banks and everything else going on that they can take a pause and see how it goes. But don't buy into the hype that they're going to start cutting rates. I know that the futures markets are expecting them to reverse course in September and start cutting rates. I I hope they don't do that. It'd be a colossal mistake. Yeah. So uh, explain to me how uh, raising of the Fed rate affects mortgages. It doesn't really. The, the funny thing is, this is misunderstood. Um, the, fate, the rate that we're talking about is the federal funds rate. That's the rate banks charge each other for overnight loans. By the way, they don't do this anymore because now we require a lot more reserves. So what used to happen if I'm Bank of Greg and you're Bank of John, and I don't have enough money to meet my reserve requirement, I borrow money from you overnight. Um, nobody does this really anymore, so it's more of a symbolic thing. It affects the prime rate. It affects credit card rates. It affects savings account rates, anything adjustable. Uh, but it can have the reverse impact on mortgages. As you're raising short-term rates, you could be lowering expectations for inflation down the road, which is what's been happening, and mortgage rates come down. When that happens... When all of a sudden short-term rates are higher than long-term rates, you have what we call an inverted yield curve. Typically, the longer I'm going to lend you money, I'm going to want a higher rate for that because of inflation and uncertainty. Well, for, for a while now, it's been the opposite. Long-term rates are actually below short-term rates. That's usually a very good signal the economy is headed into recession, which I, me and a lot of other economists believe we are. I think it'll be a brief recession but it will probably happen in the end of this year um, because you can't raise rates that much that quickly and not expect a dramatic slowdown in economic activity. 
Well, you know, I, it's funny you, you mentioned the word recession. Um, there's a lot of terms being bandied by the media right now. Um, inflation, stagflation, and we're talking about recession. So can you just explain each term? Well, inflation is when the price of things are going up. How much has the price of a hamburger increased over the last year? And that, that can be affected by a lot of things. You know, maybe there's a problem where there aren't enough cows around to make beef or you don't you can't get the bread for the buns. Um, but obviously, inflation has been a huge problem for a while now because the, the government has printed a lot of money and increased the money supply. Actually, the definition of inflation is too much money chasing not enough goods, right? Um, mm -hmm. Stagflation right. is when your prices are going up, but the economy isn't growing. So typically, you look for rising prices, which we have now, weak economic growth, which we kind of have now. The difference is that the third thing you look for is a rising unemployment rate. We don't have a rising unemployment just went down last month and is sitting near a 50-year low. So we're not in stagflation, although it feels that way. Uh, recession is, is more opaque. It used to be if you had two quarters of negative GDP growth, that was a recession. That was thrown out years ago. Um, basically, a, a small group of economists, long after it happens, look back in time and go, oh, that was a recession. It's really, you know, basically you're looking for a marked downturn in economic activity and employment that lasts more than a couple of months. And it's become very subjective. So there isn't a moment where anybody can say for sure that we're tackling a recession. But these are economist terms meant to confuse and anger the public. So don't pay too much. It, it, the best definition is I know it when I see it. And, you know, I think that people are feeling the the strain of, of prices that have been rising at a very high rate now for a long enough time where it's hard for the average person to continue spending at the levels that they were spending. Well, you know, uh, when you're we're talking about recession, OK, I feel like we're waiting for Godot because so many people have said that the recession is coming. It's coming. It's coming. And it hasn't gotten here yet. Um, when do you think it's coming? Well, the the, the, the knight in shining armor, or is, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you know, they have this this uh, night's watch that stops the, the dead from coming through the wall. I know it sounds kind of geeky, but you the thing that has saved us from the economic abyss is the labor market, because when your unemployment rate is below four and there are almost nine and a half million open jobs out there and hiring is still as strong as it is. How can you have a recession? That that doesn't make any sense. But again, when you look at GDP, gross domestic product, 70 percent of that figure is based on consumer spending. And in four of the last five months, consumer spending has gone down. So um, I, I write this blog called The Line, and, and I, sometimes I get nerdy. And you have to look at the parts of GDP because there are things in there that can artificially make it look better or worse than it is. But when consumers are spending less, it's just a matter of time before companies. We've heard about a lot of large companies laying people off. Luckily, the small businesses are still desperate for workers. You go by any restaurant or or boutique shop or any place in your neighborhood, right. they, they have help wanted signs all over the place. And they've done the bulk of the hiring since COVID are these smaller businesses. 
The question is, how much longer can they hold on? And looking at the data, fourth quarter this year seems about when we're going to start to see what we would call a recession a, a year later because we're, we're we can't get it wrong if we it's like i'm going to tell you who's going to win the super bowl a year after it happens that's that's how brave economists typically are i like that i like that a lot um, but there's a good side to this john you know people say what's, well, what's, what, what's the uh lemonade we can make from these lemons is that a slowing economy and a recession will bring mortgage rates down and that's one thing that we've all been waiting for you know a year and a half ago rates started with threes and in some cases twos now they're in the high sixes and people it's not going to go back right away to where it was but as the economy slows and inflation becomes less of a risk those long-term rates will come down and i think that will bring more buyers out who have been waiting and will realize that you know in your market in the hamptons and in so many parts of the u.s there isn't enough supply to go around, so prices have been slow to adjust. But in markets like New York City, where there is enough inventory, um, you have declining prices and you add declining rates, and it should be, you know, the ultimate buyer's market. Huh. Interesting. Okay, that, that, that very interesting. Um, let me ask you a question: Do you think the uh, banking crisis is over, or are there still some more banks at risk? I got to think there's more at risk because. You know, a lot of it has just been good old-fashioned mismanagement, but it's really interest rate risk or duration risk, as we say in grad school. You know, they, you had these banks buying up long-term securities at really low rates because they were getting slightly higher interest rates to do that. You buy 10-year, 15-year treasuries, you get a higher rate typically. Um, now they're stuck with those assets at a time where now they're paying depositors 5%. So you're paying 5%, maybe you're getting a percent and a half on your investment. It's just a matter of time before you don't have the money. And as we learned through SVB and Signature, you know, SVB, people took 40, over $40 billion out in one day. You know, when, when you can do that, bank runs, the old days of people lying around the block is nothing compared to what, what can happen today. And I think the concern about uninsured assets, you know, like all the, the startups that had hundreds of millions of dollars in deposits at SVB concerned people, or First Republic, who is giving mortgages to wealthy people at a fraction of the going rate. Mortgages are a good asset for banks, typically, but when you've lended money at an artificially low rate, and now you're paying much higher rates to attract deposits, it's all, again, it's only a matter of time. And um, I think there's more out there. The Fed is kind of vaguely implied that nobody's going to lose money in this, even if you have over the FDIC limit. We'll see. I mean, right now, it looks like the, the, the big banks are just going to get bigger and more profitable by absorbing the assets, because that's, that's what's happened so far to these banks that have failed. But I, I, don't, I don't think anybody can say it's over. We're talking about something that just started a little over two months ago. So uh, I got to believe there's more out there. More action that happened. Okay. Um, do you think buyers should wait? We're talking about mortgage rates. Should they wait to buy a home or a co-op? Well, I think it's it's twofold. A, have you found the home you really want? I mean, that that's a question. It seems simple, but in a rising market, people almost buy any home just because they're they're losing out on everything. 
if if you find a home that you really like and that you're going to stay in for five, 10 years or more, you shouldn't worry about timing because you're never going to be sorry you bought that home. I, I say this all the time just to embarrass myself. I bought my house in Long Island in 2006. I, I almost couldn't have picked the worst time. I've been there for 17 years. I love it. I've raised my wife and I've raised my son there. We love the schools. I live by the beach. Um, you know, I and I live close enough to Manhattan that I'm going to work. You're not going to regret that decision. I think that keeping an eye on mortgage rates is great because every time they go down, your home of your dreams has become a lot more affordable. So the good brokers out there and the good buyers out there have their eye focused on rates and will take advantage. One of the things we saw nationally, rates started to decline last November through the beginning of February of this year. And if you saw existing home sales took off, you know, in, in March, because that's when all those people would have been closing on those homes they buy. And new home sales started to rise in November of last year. So uh, make the number one thing is make sure you understand the environment you're buying in and what you're getting yourself into and what you've committed to, you can always refinance down the road. That's always an option. And I think people have to understand that in markets that are very tight, which are a lot of the markets in the U.S. right now, you may not have a lot of choices. So you may feel pressure there, but and you may not like the price, but eventually the rate can come down to a point where you know, people that bought when I bought before the financial crisis were paying six and a half near seven percent. A lot of us refinanced to a lot closer to three percent in some cases below. So it, it you can change that aspect of your home, but don't to try to time it. You're never going to time the market correctly. So go out there and buy, right? No, go out there and make the best decision for you. It's not a one size fits all thing. Not every exactly. I hate to cut you short. Out I'm going to have to have you come back again, which I love having you do. So, um, Greg Heim, Chief Economist of Terra Holdings. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. Please stay where you are, since we'll be right back after the short break. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have with me the founder and home inspector for Wind Inspections, Tom Unverzag. Hi, Tom, how are you today? Pretty good. Yourself? Yeah, good. No complaints. You know, before, Tom, we talk about uh, the essential things to consider before buying an older home. And I also want to talk about your uh, something that you've added to your home inspections called Wind 360. Let's talk about you. Were you in construction? before you founded Wind ins Inspections? Yes, I was in construction for, for many years, uh, you know, the, during my early childhood before the military. And then uh, when I came out, I, uh, I I started working in the power plant industry and always doing construction on the side. So a friend of mine needed help uh, inspecting an apartment complex. And all it took was one apartment complex to realize what I wanted to do. <laughs> so you, that's how you found yourself, so to speak, That's right? it, yep. Cool. That's cool. So um, let's talk about Win360. What is it? 
So it's a it, it's a system that that's already in place. Um, we have enhanced it quite a bit. So it's a virtual tour of a listing. So by us coming into the home, you're getting best of both worlds. One, not only are, you know you, you're getting somebody who does you know social media or can can do drones or photography. What we do is is we do all that for you. So we give you the the dollhouse effect. Uh, it does square footage. It gives you a breakdown of the rooms. You get floor plans. Uh, and then it gives you your flow path through the through the home as well as the outside. So you're getting the best of both worlds, especially if you have some of these beautiful backyards, uh, you know that 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 are set for uh, a lot of entertaining. So it's almost like you're sitting by the fire pit, sitting in a pool house. Uh, you, you're you're part of the home altogether. So by us doing that in conjunction with a, a pre-listing inspection, and it gets both you can get. Two choices. One, you can do a full written report like uh, any other inspection, getting the house ready for the market, or it could be verbal. So we could do this, this, this virtual and we give you the links for that, you know, for the listing. And then we would walk to the house and say, yeah, the, the electrical system maybe needs updated or we saw some termite activity in this particular corner or the boiler needs to be serviced. Uh, so we'll give you a breakdown of, of what, what's actually going on with the house to help maintain that value. Wow, that's pretty uh, awesome. I, I was just thinking, um, so instead of giving a, a paper uh, inspection, you can do it virtually. In other words, you just talk with the the owner. Yes. Yep, exactly. So you know, we've done a, quite a few of them, especially, uh, you know, out east where the the, the homes are, are, are vacant or not occupied. So we'll do them in, in our absence. So we'll do the virtual tour so so that they'll, they'll get that and then they can use that for, for themselves or whatever listing agent you know that, that they're going to be use, using for the uh, for the sale, uh, as as well as after we do that and then we'll point out some issues you know to them um, and this way they can pass it on to whatever uh, professional that needs to go ahead and remember, you know remedy it. Right before before the listing comes out. Before the listing saying. comes in, yes, yep. Like I said, I and that's see. all all that to maintain and and then enhance the value of the house. And it does, you know, if the, these virtual tours, uh, it, it's been uh, stats show thirty percent of the time, it uh, you know thirty actually greater than thirty percent of the time uh, that it will make the the listing sell faster. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, so you're a big advocate for the uh, pre-listing inspection. Is it uh, cost-wise? Is it a little less than doing a full inspection? Uh, well, it it depends on which route which route you go. If you go for a written report, it is that that the because we're there the same amount of time, so the cost is the same. Uh, but what we in, kind of uh, backed it up with is, is we will give you the virtual tour, so you'll get the virtual tour part of your pre-listing inspection. So you're getting that uh, value of the package uh, for free. So do you come in with a, a professional photographer? No, we do that ourselves. Wow, that's pretty cool. So we'll have we'll have one inspector for the home. Another another one of our inspectors will be doing doing nothing but the virtual tour. Very interesting. Now, when you do this um, walkthrough, um, do you add music, or is it just basically going through the house? No, we can add music. You know, to, I mean, it's it's very in, informative. Uh, and then depending on who they're going to be using for an agent, we can actually add logos and decals throughout the house. So as you're walking through, you may see, you know, an advertising for, you know, uh, ABC Real Estate Company on a TV or on a picture frame or whatever. You know, so we can add different aspects throughout the whole house. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. So let's talk about uh, buying older homes in Sag yes. Harbor. We have quite a few of them. I think yes, you do agree to that. Um, so what are some of the essential things to consider before buying an older home? 
Uh, be, I mean, your inspection is basically identical to it doesn't make a difference if the house was built in, you know, 70s, 80s, in 1900, uh, you know, 1850. But the difference of construction is, is the issue. So, you know, the older homes, it's sort of lumber, but what, believe it or not, is, is, I mean, extremely more durable than, you know, it's your, if you had a two by four, it's a true two by four. You know, today, a two by four is, you know, it's in, in three, three quarters by, you know, three and a half. So you're not really get, getting the, the, the full lumber. So you are getting the, the full strength of the lumber back then. Um, but then you, there are environmental aspects I, of it. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just curious. When did that change when you said sawed lumber? So, so sort of lumber. So the, so the lumber is, it's, it's, it's rough cut lumber. Uh, you know, like today's two by fours are nice and smooth. You know, the other lumber is, you know, jagged. Uh, you know, the, the tools that, you know, to, to create the lumber were, were different. Uh, but it was the, the, the lumber size is, it was true to what it was. If it was a two by four, it is a two by four. Today's lumber is a two by four is not a two by four. Right, right, right. So what about energy efficiency? You get these older homes. Uh, they're kind of drafty sometimes. Yes. So, I mean, it all depends on what they, if the house had plaster walls, the, the plaster is built with, with uh, uh, boarding uh, wire mesh lathe, you know, so you actually do, do have uh, an R factor to that. The insulation behind the wall, I'm not too sure about uh, if it's going to be there or not. It's tough to see unless you're going to be using infrared, which we do have infrared as well. Um, but there, you can, you know, all the homes, it's not like the, you have to go ahead and rip, rip that off. It can be pumped. So they, they would, you know, put some holes in, you know, a lot of times it would be done on the outside rather than, than going to the plaster. And then it's in, injected with, with the foam. But the, the older homes, like I said, the only other issues you have in there is, is would be uh, asbestos and lead. So if you have lead paint, which is built for anything for, built, built for 1978 or asbestos, you know, asbestos, you have asbestos shingles. I mean, it's not really friable. It's, it's, it's an outdoor product. Uh, floor by floor tiles are nine by nine. Uh, you know, that, that's not really, really a, a friable substance, but pipe wrap. So if you have an older boiler, that white pipe wrap that, that you see with the corrugated, looks like the cardboard, not white powder. That that's the issue. So the, the, those are the issues that they should be, be concerned about. Uh, you know, having either having it removed, removed or encapsulated. I, what about pest infestations? Uh, um, especially that happened in the past. Can you detect that, or do you have people that detect that? Yes, we could do that as well. And and some of some of the old uh, older pests, you, you can see signs of scarring from from termites. Uh, powder post beetles look like tiny little pinholes in wood. Uh, and believe it or not, a lot of that, it comes from the lumber yards. It's not really something that, that migrates to a home. It's brought into the house when, when the houses are built. Uh, but uh, all that is, is obviously easily remediable. You know, as far as what we're doing here on Long Island, um, the pesticides that, that we that we apply are, are water-based. Uh, so we don't uh, contaminate our, our groundwater because we, you know, we, we're, we're like, an entity, a, a rare entity throughout the United States, where we actually provide our own drinking water. And it, just like, for example, like Florida or, or, or somewhere down south where, where, where it's swamp, where they're not working the water, they get the water from Georgia. So uh, our water table, we're actually here to protect it. So that they, we're not going to go ahead and just blow pesticide just to go ahead and, and, and apply a chemical. So we make sure that the chemicals that we're using are precise to the point where it's needed, not just inadvertently going to go ahead and treat a whole home for no reason. You're going to go ahead and treat the area of concern. That is, that is excellent. Excellent. Um, now, you also uh, inspect the septic and the cesspool. Um, yes. For our audience, can you uh, delineate what they are? 
Well, a, a cesspool is just, it's a round tank that's in the ground. It, it typically it's like two rings and a dome, which, which is a cap. And a septic, uh, that's for a cesspool. And a septic tank is basically the same. It's just that 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 material that, that I just explained would be called an overflow. Then you have a middle guy, which is like a square box. Square box that, that does not drain uh, from the bottom. It actually dr- overflows from the top, then goes to your overflow tank. So your solids collect in, into a septic tank. Your your effluent flows over to your overflow, and this way you're it, it's it's a more maintainable uh, system where you actually you're pumping out the, the square box itself and not the whole tank that's diluted with 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 water and gray water and everything else. So it does break itself apart. Then obviously you have your newer system, which is the nitrogen uh, reducing system. So all of those are inspectable. We actually use camera systems. We go from the house on out. So we open up the the piping that's in the home and we send the camera through up to the system. And more importantly, believe it or not, is, is it's the line that's buried. So if you have a home that's 1970, you know, that line has been buried for 50 years. You know, maybe the tank's been pumped out, but the line has been buried. And our numbers that, that we're seeing, it's it, we find issues. It's only 70% of the issue, not only, but 70% of the issues that, that, we, that we find are issues within the waistline itself, not so much the septic tank. Uh, so if you have backup things of that nature, it could be roots, obstructions, you know, people plant trees and stuff. And then these roots want to go where there's water that they need to, to, to drink. Uh, so they will find a source. And a lot of times it's your waste piping, uh, which is set in six and eight foot sleeves, leaks a little bit, uh, which is fine. But then it allows uh, the, the the trees or the plants to go ahead and migrate to that water source. And then it winds up getting into the, into the piping, causing root balls. And then you have to go ahead, use like a Mustang to go ahead and clear it out. But so the waistline itself is what we're finding to, to be Predominantly the issue, 30% of the chance, chance or, or, or less would be that the septic tank or the cesspool would have to be, be pumped out. So a lot of people have a, a septic system and yes. they think the problem's there, but it's actually in the, the line coming from the house to it. Yes. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize that even if you're on sewers, that 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 line that goes from the house out to your out to the sewer main, that's your line. That's not the sewer company's line. The sewer is only out, out in the street. So the line going to it. The homeowner is responsible for that. So I try to tell people that. And, and we actually found a couple small issues, nothing crazy, but it's an issue that 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 had to be remedied and taken care of. But what's nice about it is, is our camera heads are locatable. So it's not like you can just say, oh, you have, you know, you have a, a block and a line. We could tell you 10 feet out, three feet down, this is where it is. And then we can pinpoint exactly where the problem is. Awesome. That's great. Um, you're also involved in the Fisher House Foundation. What is that? So the, the Fisher House is, is uh, for veterans. Uh, you know, I'm not too sure, sure if you realize, but uh, uh, Win Home Inspection is your number one veteran franchise. So uh, they offer franchises to, to veterans that want to get into the field. Um, and so we're, we're all, always wrapped around. I mean, I'm, I'm a veteran myself, which I'm very proud to be part of anything that, that enhances, you know, to fit it for the vets. Uh, so what the Fisher House is, is, it provides uh, an avenue for if there's somebody who's uh, sick and is at the VA hospital uh, and that the family has to be close or, or nearby. So they allow uh, people to, to stay in, in homes or suites, you know, for six, seven, eight months, whatever the case may be for the veterans, but, uh, you know, that they need lodging. So what Wynn does is we'll go in there to, to make sure that, you know, that four people can fit in this particular area and meets all the, the, the standards, uh, accessibility, uh, handicap accessibility, if need be, or if there's no areas in, in place, uh, wind home inspection itself will provide 
funding for, for travel, for transportation, for food, things of that nature. So right now, uh, we just got... Really the, great. I hate to interrupt you, but uh, uh, if someone had more questions for you, Tom, how could they get in touch with you? Uh, they can contact my website, uh, or uh, sorry, my email address, which is wininspection at gmail, W-I-N, inspection at gmail.com, or my phone, 631-874-0011, and you can also text that number. Fantastic. Tom? Unverzag of Wind Inspection. So it's a pleasure having you on the program. Uh, this is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting in the teeming village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. If you'd like to hear this program again or other podcasts, go to WLIW.org slash radio slash real life. Thank you again for listening. And in the meantime, be sure to have an awesome journey. have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio.